0: Hello, everyone. Good morning. And thanks so much for attending the uh, Women's Diversity uh, Leadership uh, virtual event of Becker's. We're all very excited here at Becker's to support this. And uh, um, we are really going to be talking today about how to be an ally for women and other underrepresented groups. We have a fantastic panel. People have walked the walk. And we hope you walk away from this uh, conversation with a few pearls for your career as you move forward. You know, being an ally is a lifelong process of building relationships based on trust and consistency and accountability with underrepresented groups of people when mentoring is a learning relationship generally focused on long-term career development. And the primary purpose is to really drive personal growth, building skills, knowledge, and understanding. Our four panelists today, um, Deb Canellis, Anu Enard Kida, um, Michelle Cooper, Rachelle Webb Dixon, all have um, opportunities to share their experiences with you. And I, we're really going to go around the room and uh, really give you some insights of what we feel is really important and what we're hearing about. So I think I'm gonna go anew, start with you mentoring. We all hear about it and either need one or want one, but what do you do and you see a role as a mentor and second expectations and the limitations. And I wanna ask each and every one of you. So we'll go anew.
1: Thank you, Helen. And first and foremost, thank you for having us. What an- amazing opportunity to be on the stage with a lot of women that I respect and look up to, and so I'm looking forward to the discussion. But going back to the question, I think mentoring in its simplest form is just a mutual relationship, right, where either someone who's been down a certain path before uh, can share the journey with you or is willing to share the learnings along the way as you two are continuing on the journey together. So in my perspective, in my experience, just like any other relationship, the mentoring relationship also needs to be nurtured. It needs to have clear set of expectations and most definitely needs to be a two-way street. If that is clear from the get-go, then I think it can be an amazing partnership where both the parties are leaning in, helping each other think, clarify, challenge, push, all in the spirit of learning together. I think the issue that sometimes arises for us as women is when we confuse mentoring with sponsorship. And maybe you know later in the dialogue, we can dig a deeper, but I think women don't have a mentoring problem. We are very eager to share what we've learned. We are very eager to support each other. That's just a part of our psyche. Where we have an issue is the sponsorship issue. And I think continuing to like separate the two is one of the early ways to ensure that we are doing our two cents to promote where the focus needs to be. So I'll just pause there and eager to hear what my other panelists have to say. Michelle.
2: Thank you. And I've had the privilege to work with each of the women on this panel. So it's really exciting to be back together with each of you. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk about this important topic. Mentoring has been a huge um, portion of my focus over the years, not only for seeking out individual mentors for myself, looking for opportunities outside of my normal workspace, but also in other industries, in other professions, other disciplines within my company, really looking because it's an opportunity for us to learn and develop as leaders and really think outside the box and get new ideas, fresh ideas. But the best thing that comes from mentoring is really that mutual respect dialogue and teaching that comes from those relationships it's a it's a give and a take relationship it really um, empowers women to really get to know each other to learn different you know disciplines within our own relationships with others that we work with and it allows us to partner and really advance women and other underrepresented individuals within our organization. And mentoring, I think, is not only an opportunity for us to develop as leaders, but it's an opportunity for us to develop others. And we as leaders really have an obligation to look for traits and individuals and, and opportunities within our own, own organization to really hold women up. And often, my many part of the reason many of us are where we are is because somebody saw that, that opportunity within us and they chose to lift us up. So I, I really think that's very important that we as leaders look for opportunities to lift up others that may not see the potential in themselves.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. So that is absolutely wonderful. Thanks, Michelle. Um, Rochelle, your thoughts?
3: One, uh, echo my colleagues' um, sentiments. Very thankful to be here today with this panel. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, and I agree with what's been said before me. I think the mentorship is very important. And kind of what comes to mind is to whom much is given, much is required. So as people have poured into me, ensure that um, little things that you may not know that they want you to know to make sure that you're going to be successful, or how do you handle certain situations, or how do you handle certain conversations, that part of mentoring, have someone you can go to that's going to kind of hope coach you and guide you in the moment to make sure you're successful has been very integral to my career and my success. Um, and just like Michelle Cooper said, I think it's also our responsibility because people poured into us to pour into others. Um, and so that mentoring piece, um, as as Anu mentioned, is really about that um, relationship, right? How do you give, and then how do you continue to bring people along with you? So I am I'm very thankful for the mentors I've had um, and continue to have in my career, but also I'm equally thankful for those that I get to mentor. Um, I think as the mentor, I tell people all the time that I probably get more from my mentees, um, or just as much as they I get from them as they get from me. And so I think it's a two way street, and very thankful for the opportunity.
0: You know, Rochelle, that is so um, powerful because we all go through our lives and someone realizes our capability that we perhaps don't. And, you know, I started on the left foot. I flunked kindergarten and um, I remember people interfering and influencing me at the same time. So it's very powerful when someone sees your potential that you yourself may not. And that was very well said. And Deb your thoughts um, to really close this. Very interested in hearing what you're thinking.
4: Thank you, Helen. And, and oh, it's so wonderful to be in this circle of just amazing women and just uh, to be able to continue to share the gift of mentoring and allyship. You know, when I think about um, this word of mentoring, uh, for me, it's about seeing the potential in people that they don't even recognize. And um, when you think about it, all we do all day is have conversations. That's all we do. And so the effectiveness of these conversations, but more importantly, to create a sacred harbor, a safe place where we can have conversations to test ideas, to gain insight and experience from a wise woman, a wise man, with regards to, um, you know, this is how I'm feeling. Is, is you know, what was your experience, and, um, and and what would you do in this situation? Am I being ridiculous? Am I, you know, what should I do to be more assertive or to really convey my influence and my expertise? And um, because we all, you know, suffer, at least for me, in terms of that notion of, of pleasing, of, of sometimes being subservient to, to others. And, you how do I position myself in a way with a trusted partner and to really see my gifts flourish, to be able to test that? And I think in terms of limitations, um, setting up mentoring is so important. And so the notion, Anu, that you talked about sponsoring, um, chemistry is another important factor. And so I think it's important for our audience that if you select a mentor, it's almost speed dating. Take time to really uh, feel that relationship come forward. And if it's not working for you, just claim it. And, and find someone who's really gonna believe in you uh, because uh, Michelle, you talked about trust. I mean, that's at the core. And I think that can be a limitation if we don't feel that that person is there for us. So uh, I think you know those are just important factors to take into consideration as part of having a healthy conversation, a healthy dialogue, but more importantly, I know you talked about the power of relationships and that is the secret sauce of this whole journey.
0: And, you know, we all have our different career paths. We change them based on our our interests, our needs at the time. And I always tell everyone at every career path, at every career change, at every job, every employer, there's always something you can learn. I've been in situations where I've worked with someone and I remind myself, remind yourself, Helen, not to do that or not to say that or not to be mean like that. So it comes in all different levels. And I think our careers as women, we're more of a sponge. We learn, we, we, we take, we analyze, we digest, and we execute. And I think that's fabulous. And I'm going to start with you, Deb. What do you think allyship um, is to you and why do you feel it's important?
4: You know, speaking as a person of color, I think, um, it's been really important throughout my career journey to to really look for opportunities, to find someone who really took action to to think about challenging the status quo Mm -hmm. and to find people that were like me, that I could gain strength and courage by watching them, by confiding with them, to know that, that it was okay. I mean, one of my early mentors uh, was a, a former executive at Pepsi who then went on to, to run Sears and, um, and just you know he sits on some pretty prestigious boards today. But I remember just feeling that notion of inadequacy. And we were uh, scheduled to go to a meeting that was only for directors and above. And I was a, a new manager and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, well, I can't go, I'm, I'm only a, a manager. And he's like, look, you need to aspire to the position that you want and you go, and he was, you know, he walked with me down to, to the meeting and people looked at me as I walked in. I took my seat, uh, claimed my position and, you know, con- continue to, to contribute. But I think, you know, finding an opportunity for someone who's looking out for you, um, who is your, your witness for your work so that they can challenge when there's microaggressions in meetings when someone takes credit for your work, um, that is there uh, to be your champion with regards to to justice and equity and and equality um, to ensure that, you know, as you continue to aspire.
0: Wonderful, that's fantastic. Um, Rochelle, what are your thoughts? Tell us what you're thinking.
3: Thank you. Uh, Deb, there was something you said in your um, kind of definition of allyship around kind of taking on kind of the structures, the challenge, right? For me, that allyship is someone who's going to understand whether you're a you're not in a certain group. So you may be a male understanding what it's like to be a female in, in, the, in this field, or you may be a non-minority understanding the plights of minorities and how they got to where they need to be. But I think the, the piece of that that is paramount is that you're using your influence, your power, to challenge the structures or norms to open the doors for others. Um, And that to me is is extremely important because when you look at the number of women that we have who are CEOs or executives in healthcare, we don't get there without allyship. It has to be somebody who's going to use their influence, their power to challenge the status quo. Same thing when you talk about being a minority, who are those individuals who understand and who are sympathetic, but are also willing to, to use their power and their influence to invoke change. So so allyship for me has been instrumental in so many different ways. One, woman of color, like you said, uh, Deb. So the women piece, right? Healthcare, when I joined, it was 97% white male. To say that you even get to the C-suite level in healthcare shouldn't be taken lightly, as a woman, should not be taken lightly. And then to do it as an African-American woman, even more so. So that allyship has been important for me from the beginning. I got into healthcare because of allyship. Um, the program that I attended was a white Jewish man who saw a need in healthcare leadership and created a program to combat it. And so for me, from the beginning, my introduction to this um, field of study has been because of those who've seen a need and were unapologetic about ensuring that the future looked different than the past.
0: Well said, thank you so much for that inspirational thought. Michelle.
2: You know, just building on what I've heard, because it's it's just been amazing and it just resonates so much with me. Um, when I think of fellowship, I really think back on my career. I started in public accounting in a time where there were very few women, especially in the leadership positions, very similar to what Rochelle talked about with the entrance into healthcare. And yet there were individuals within that company that saw potential in people, you know, diverse backgrounds, diverse thinking, Diverse, um, you know, just mindsets and really latched on to people to kind of bring them through the organization, mentor them, develop them, and really sponsor them. And when I look at Allyship now, I just think it's so important because, like I said earlier, a lot of times people do not see the opportunity in themselves. Sometimes somebody, you know, we're, whether it's childhood, whatever, somebody beat into them, maybe they're not good enough. But yet if that one person sees that potential and really rises that person up and really ensures that there's diversity of thought, diversity of ideas, you know, really bringing some cultural aspects. You know, when you think about business, traditionally it was, you know, I'll hit the books. I, I started in finance. You know, it was, it was all about technical expertise. It wasn't a lot about how do you relate to people? How are you relationally you know what do you need to know about politics when it comes to maneuvering through an organization yet one person sponsoring and really being an ally for an individual can change that direction it can happen in college it can happen in high school it can happen you know in your career but it's just such a powerful statement to be an ally for somebody and really see that potential and take that individual forward so one thing i just really stress with my leaders is find those individuals that maybe are struggling in an area of self-confidence, struggling in understanding how to work their way through an organization and partner with them, bring them up, help them understand their voice is going to have a tremendous impact on this organization. There's so many opportunities out there
0: that is so cr- true because you know we can't we can't help how we are born right we can't help what we're born into but we can certainly choose how we live our lives and i always tell my students and those that i mentor i said the person you have to go to sleep at night is you you've got to go knowing you did the best you did the right thing you stuck up for those that perhaps couldn't stick up for themselves and you do the right thing regardless of the consequence because in the end, if you did the right thing, it works out. So um, that is so true, Michelle, because we cannot help how we start our life and mentoring and being allies and allyship is so invaluable to those people who want to succeed. Anu, Give us your
1: final thoughts on this to close this, this, this thought through. I think Deb, Rochelle and Michelle did a fabulous job defining what it is and if you look at the common thread that they all spoke about is how they've been fortunate to find those people in life that you know lifted them up and from there was born the essence of paying it forward. So I think the whole concept of, I read this a long time back, that when you're climbing the ladder and once you are up there, you have either a chance to knock it off or hold it stronger so that someone else has a better journey or an easier journey than the one you have. And I think women here, right, they really describe how they've uh, taken on what their role said, but also have been fortunate and mindful then to ensure that it doesn't stop with them that it starts with them and there's a next pipeline of leaders and women who are coming. If there's anything we can do to make their journey even like one step easier, I think that's what the allyship is, right? How can you prevent someone from doing even a tiniest mistake that you had done or make sure that, you know, when they are hesitant or reluctant to take that first step you provide the gentle nudge? That to me is the simplest form of like allyship where when demonstrated really well, actually builds that pipeline of leaders who are constantly trying to pay it forward and trying to make our, you know, world, our organizations, our communities a better place. So, I mean, hats off to all these women who've had that experiences, and you know, on whose shoulders we stand. And I think it's all about them paying it forward.
0: And I, I really am excited with the viewers today that it will be, uh, you know, um, seeing us here. And I encourage everyone um, to reach out to these fabulous women, because just in the short period of time we've been conversing, the approachability of everyone here on the panel and the down-to-earth nature, being able to be themselves and really transparent. um, These are the type of women that you have to gravitate to that really, really will make a difference in the lives that they touch. And with that being said, I really would want to get each of your perspectives. You know, you're fantastically educated, um, stunningly um, articulate role models. Each of you, I'll go with Deb first. Tell us, if you can, was there one person that stands out um, that really helped you be the person that you are and continue to be? who would that person be and why did they inspire you? If you, each of us can give that one.
4: Uh, Thanks, Helen. Great, great question. You know, I'm surrounded by um, a lot of helpers, um, starting with my mom and and certainly uh, my grandparents and um, a lot of amazing people. But there's one woman that stood out who was uh, one of my coaches uh, when I was first getting started and really took advantage of a mentor saying to get an executive coach. And um, I remember our first session because I was um, always trying to be very politically correct. I was very tight, very controlling, this whole notion of being perfect. And she read me a poem, I'm gonna read it just real quickly. It's uh, from Anise Nin and it said, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that has really stood with me um, you know, all these years in terms of just a, a trustworthy guide uh, in terms of the dynamics of healing and growth to lean into vulnerability, uh, to turn those misfortunes and I've certainly had them, you know, personally and, and in terms of just, you know, my, my marriage, my, um, you know, experiences in my career um, and to stick with it, um, you know, to, to grow, to let go and, and be guided on the journey and just to embrace life and and those struggles, because life is about being whole. And and my new mantra is about not trading wholeness for approval anymore. And I'm in a place in my life where I can do that and it's so freeing and I wanna give that energy and light to others.
3: So thank you for asking.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Rochelle, please, your thoughts.
3: Thank you for the question. Um, Is there one person? Absolutely, I can name one, but there's so many and I don't want to do the others who poured into me injustice. So what I will say is um, there've been pivotal moments in my life where I've had women um, who've spoken words to me that either helped me get out of my own way or who helped propel me forward. Um, The initial person that came to mind when you asked the question, I thought about um, I, one of the professional organizations I belong to, I saw her in a leadership role. And I was a young baby, young baby, young professional out of college, out of grad school and thought, wow, that's what I could do. Um, and then later in life, I had an opportunity to actually work with her. And it's so humbling because I held her in such high esteem for so long. And then when I realized I was going to be working directly with her, I didn't know what to do. But you talked about the women on this panel being very humble, very easily approachable. And that's what she was for me. Um, And as much as I would get the encouragement, at times I needed the tough love as well. Um, And one of the things um, that stuck with me and I still kind of pass on to others was on how we have conversations. And for me, I always thought that if it was true, then I would stand on that And that's all I needed. And this person said to me, it needs to be true, necessary, and kind. And I would say, well, can I do two out of the three? (laughs) It's (laughs) necessary and it's true, but the kind piece. And so that evolution of if you're a leader and if you're an executive leader, then how you say what you say is just as important. And how do you bring people along and build team and camaraderie as opposed to just making people feel a certain way? Um, and so I am forever grateful for many women, but that's the one stuck in my mind when you first asked the question.
0: Thank you, Rochelle. That is so inspiring. Rochelle, what are your thoughts?
2: You know, I, I was thinking the same thing. It's really hard to narrow it down to one because there have been so many powerful women. I had a, a teacher in college that just, she was an ethics teacher. She saw something in me, really got me into talking and writing and, and things I never thought that I'd have the courage to do. But I do remember when I came into healthcare, Sister Nancy, and some of you may know her, um, I won't use her last name, but she was a powerful leader, a mission leader within our organization, really um, really led the culture transformation for an organization that was coming together and reached out to individuals because she knew she couldn't do it alone. She knew she could not change and and evolve the culture of an organization without having advocates, sponsors, people that really embraced that culture that she wanted to to build and, and really represent the sponsors of our organization. And I just really remember some words that she just kept really reiterating with everybody she came in contact with. And one of the things that she taught is every interaction you have with somebody sticks with that person. And it's so important that you think about that in everything that you do, because the hustle bustle, especially in the last year with COVID and the various things that we've been going through, there's been such a urgency and such a change and shift in needing to get everything done and address everything. But if you take those moments and, and, and really do what you need to do in a conversation with somebody it can have a profound impact on how they go through that day, the people they touch, the people that they help to lift up. And that's one thing that has really stuck with me in my life. And one thing that I've really tried to embrace, no matter what's going on, take a moment, have a positive impact on somebody because it will pay it forward and it'll have such a profound impact on the organization and the culture. So that's probably the one that sticks with me the most.
0: Very, very impactful, Michelle. Thank you for that. Anu, give us, give us what you're thinking here.
1: It's, it's hard to add to what it, you know. What all has been already said, but I, I often look back to my own journey. So, I'm Helen. I'm the first woman in my, you know, home to have left my birth country and come for study abroad, and then make a career in this country, and. I think it totally would not have been possible without my mother along the way, pushing, edging, convincing everyone that I deserve that chance and actually going above and beyond to give me the strength to believe that I will be able to leverage that chance. So, of course, it always starts, you know, at home. As Deb also said, it's, you know, women around you who end up shaping you the most. And it's your mothers and sisters and your grandparents. But coming into the workforce, I think just like Michelle and Rochelle, uh, I've been also very fortunate to have a slew of women who stood for me, stood behind me and had my back. And it's hard to it's hard to say which one to pick, because should I pick the first women who made sure that I had a seat at the table that opened so many doors for me? Or should I, you know, pick a woman who wasn't my sponsor when I was out on maternity leave? She was the one who made sure that I was represented so that I was considered for a position. But I think the one I continue to gravitate towards was the one that actually taught me that having all the answers is not important, having the will to go seek them is what makes you a leader. And I think, Michelle, you spoke to it as well, but her, her, her take was the Batman movie, right? With great power comes great responsibility. So she said, make sure that, you know, when you are with other leader, with other women, with other colleagues, what you say, your words matter a lot. And I think that's what Michelle, you were also sharing. Ensure that every word is spoken from the heart it's true to your own integrity and your own value system and then walk the talk. That is what's most important. It's not important to have the right answers. It's not important to you know, know it all. What's important is to conduct yourself each day with integrity and go on the path to find those answers when you can. So I often think of her. I often feel myself leveraging that on a day-to-day basis because that journey, the learning journey never ends. So I think she probably had the greatest impact in terms of the kind of women leader I became.
0: That's wonderful. And you know, Anu, you mentioned your mother and some women don't have the luxury of having a role model early on in their lives. And that's why mentoring and allyship are so important to those women that may not have had that great start. Um, My mother was my role model in the beginning. She cleaned houses. And she barely went through high school, she couldn't she had to work and I remember helping my mother wipe the windows while looking out the window and seeing my schoolmates, you know, going to the pool or things like that. And I remember my mother saying, keep doing what you're doing hard work will get you very far. And so I thought that was a start because my mother was a great role model of a caregiver, even though she cleaned houses. Anyone who was sick or ill would come to our house and stay on the couch. I thought that was very inspirational. I think that stuck with me subconsciously. Professionally, I do want to give a shout out to Judy Faulkner. Never worked with her. Um, Totally an admirer of her. She was the first woman who really cut the ceiling in HIT, if not the woman, a sexy woman of mathematics who created the industry that we all work and live in today. Um, So if I had to have one role model or mentor, despite not physically working with her under her auspices, but seeing her ethics of... um, moving in industry, I think was really inspirational for me and um, career building to see it could be done, given the intelligence that she started with and maintains today. So I want to close this and just really see What change for women in business do you see all in the next 10 years? Um, And I'll start with you, Anu. What what do you think we're gonna be seeing um, in your thoughts? And then we'll go Michelle, Rochelle, and Deb.
1: I often think about the Amaras Law, right? Where one overestimates the impact you can have in the short term, but we often end up underestimating the impact we can have in the long term. So, for me, when I think about where women were and how far we have come, say, over the decades, that is heartening, that is uh, empowering, that's inspiring. But I also feel like that is just tip of the iceberg. There is so much work that still remains to be done. And, you know, we all had a great conversation about how can we help and promote women around us. But more importantly, what I want to see in the next 10 years is the change of this dialogue. I don't want such beckers talk to be happening in 10 years where we're talking about how women can be allies to women. I want it to be business as usual, where we have the equal opportunity, we have an equal seat for the table. We're not talking about statistics like 8% of women CEOs out of the Fortune 500 companies. We want to be talking about the statistics of where the next generation is taking this and you know making it a better point. And most importantly, I think uh, I want to make sure that we are plugging the leak that constantly happens because most of the industries, if you see, have started doing a good job in terms of recruiting women. Where we are missing the boat is on retaining the women. And that's a multivariable issue. There are multiple factors that add to that. So I'm really hoping that in the next You know, I I don't have the patience to wait for 10 years, to be honest. I want this to be the next year, the year after, where we as leaders, we as organizations, we as an economy are consciously taking steps to change that conversation, to make sure that women enter, they are equally promoted, they stay in the workforce, they have every equal opportunity to contribute to the workforce. And most importantly, you know, let's get over with the saying that, everyone needs to pay their dues. I think the previous generations have paid enough dues. Let's make sure that the coming ones actually have that step to build off from so they don't have to start from scratch. So that's my hope. Uh, That's my, uh, what I want to see. Is it lofty? Yes. But do I think together we can accomplish? I have all the hopes in the world that when this band of leaders come together, they surely can change the tide. So that's what I'm, hoping the next 10 years or like actually three to five years will look like for, you you know, women.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Michelle.
1: You
2: know, um, building on that, I think one of the things that really resonates with me for the future is I don't want it to be required that a certain number of women serve on a board. I want it to be the norm. I don't want People to have to call out that we need diversity on boards, that we need diversity in leadership, that it's just part of who we are. And most importantly, and I've talked with Anu about this, is I really want to be able to sit in a boardroom, in an executive room, in a strategy room, and have a voice that is heard at the same level as some of our counterparts' voices heard. I, I still, to this day, um, you know, will participate in various different things and, and see that a woman can say something, and then a man can say it afterwards. And it's as if the man brought up, you know, what was just said. And, 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 and I think it just really goes to active listening. And if we're going to support diversity and support this culture that we're, wanting to build for our organizations and for our country. We have to let, we have to listen and and not just talk, just really hear each other, really support what we're hearing, understand that we are different. That's okay. And that's why we work so well together. You know, I just look at my own leadership team and we've been together a long time. And part of the reason for that is we're very different. We don't always agree. We don't always have the same ideas, but when we come together, that, that diversity and that diversity of thought, gender, race, everything brings so much to that team. And I want that to just be how it is in the future. And there isn't a thought out process to structure everything, you know, to meet diversity standards, meet mixed standards. I want it to just be who we are as a nation.
0: Thank and you as a you. world
3: <laughs> for that matter.
0: Rochelle,
3: your thoughts. Thanks, Helen. So my hope 10 years from now, I agree with my colleagues, that this isn't a conversation we need to have. But I also want women to kind of stand in their awesomeness. We are mothers, we are sisters, we are friends, and to bring all of that into the workforce. I think um, when I came into this field and others, you felt like you had to fit into what was already kind of a male-structured um, Environment. I want all the awesomeness of being able to juggle more than just work, family, kids, other activities, keep everybody on task most days, more days than not, into that workspace. There's some awesomeness in bringing our whole selves to work. And so my um, hope is that agree anew, not 10 years from now, but in the near future, that that awesomeness, those new ideas, the ability for people to bring innovation um, into work, whether you're a woman, whether you're um, a, a person of color, that all of that is recognized, that is celebrated, and it moves us along um, tenfold faster than we've gotten to this point to date. Um, one of the quotes I've been using lately that kind of just resonates with me is by Maya Angelou, and I'll kind of paraphrase it, and it talks about if you're so busy trying to be normal, you never recognize how awesome you truly can be. And that's the piece that I want to kind of leave with people, is that we know kind of what's set. We know what the past has said, but bring who you are and all of that awesomeness to create the future that you want. And that would be my hope sooner rather than later. So thank you.
0: Wonderful. So inspiring. Deb, last but not least, your
4: Thanks, Helen. Well, great feedback, and what I heard in, in each of your comments, let, let's amplify and embrace the power of women. Let, let's be bold. Let's put it out there because uh, I knew I want to break that statistic. You know, I heard uh, one from McKinsey about it would take a hundred years for women to be at parity with men in terms of the C-suite positions. Well, g- get over it. That's way too long. We got to break that glass now. And I think you know, women set beautiful intentions with strong boundaries. And we've got to lean into that energy more than ever in terms of history now. I think people are yearning for that. And, and how do we model that each and every day in terms of our purpose, our life uh, of being whole uh, in terms of mind, body, and spirit and having people see that the value of this can be just as strong in terms of that nurturing spirit, that groundedness, as our financial, as our operational uh, results and, and be able to influence in that direction, because that feeling of self worth, everyone needs that. And so let's amplify that voice even more and be bold, be brilliant and push the limits. So Thank you, and just uh, wonderful to be part of this circle. I could continue all day in this conversation. It's been very luxurious.
0: And my um, aspirations for young girls, women everywhere, is to find someone such as these ex- ex- extraordinary women on the panel and gravitate to them and be the people, be the women that you are and were and will be with individuals such as these fantastic panelists because in your environment what you live and breathe is sometimes what you feel and you've got to get past those those challenges and gravitate to those that are positive glass half full versus glass half empty And you will go far. So on behalf of Becker, Scott Becker and the healthcare, uh, Becker's Healthcare, the phenomenal program they're putting on today for women and diversity and the leadership, um, we thank you um, from the bottom and the top of our professions. Please reach to these fantastic women on LinkedIn, um, whatever it would take to get to know them professionally because Six degrees, of separation goes very far. And I often say, there's billions of people in the world. Why do you meet certain people? There's got to be a purpose to it. For every purpose, um, there's got to be an answer. But for every person you meet, figure out what you can learn from them. And some things, you may not want to do what they do. I've had a lot of uh, people in my career, as I said, that I uh, am grateful to see their behavior or what they didn't do. So I didn't follow suit. So thank you everyone um, for the fantastic panel and we hope you have a great rest of your uh, uh, meeting today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.